Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Say with me, I love the Word of God. I consider it more than my necessary bread. Amen. When we consider God to be more important to us than our necessary bread, I'll tell you what, beloved, that's when you really love the Word of God. Amen. God's Word should be that valuable to us. We should esteem it so highly. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 1. And we'll read right on through verse 4. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Father, we thank you for your holy written word. We know we can trust our lives to its provisions, for it's been proven to be trustworthy, faithful, and true. We thank you for the Holy Ghost right now, who enlarges our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all the things that pertain to life and godliness. As an act of our will, we will receive from your word as our hearts are receptive, our ears are attentive, and our minds are open. I thank you for utterance to proclaim the truth of the word in the power of the Spirit that our faith would not stand in human philosophy or men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God and resurrected Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That same verse there, verse 4, notice, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And the Amplified says, and increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. I like to say it like this so that we can have our minds renewed to the truth of God's word. God wants all men to be saved. Say it with me. God wants all men saved. See, that's his will for each and every individual's life. But you know what? It's not just saved. It's saved and. Did you catch that? Saved and. See, some just sat back and thought, well, I thought I had it made. I'm saved. Well, he didn't stop there. It's the will of God that all men be saved and. Everybody say and. See? And what? And come unto the knowledge of the truth. Or have their minds renewed to the knowledge of divine truth. It's not enough just to be saved. Thank God that we're saved from sin. And our eternal destiny is secure in Jesus. But God wants us to also come unto the knowledge of divine truth. Or to have a correct, accurate understanding of divine truth. So that we can be more than just saved. We can also be overcomers. He doesn't want us just to be barely getting by in life. He wants us to be overcomers in this life and live as more than conquerors. I remember one time when I first got saved and then, of course, began learning about the truths of God's holy word. I was just kind of isolated from the rest of, of Christianity because... I was up on my mill crane and I just studied the Word of God as I received it through some of Brother Hagin's books and Brother Kenyon's books and all that. And of course, I just put them right by my Bible, you know, and as I, I would read through the books, I would look up every scripture and I would just rejoice in the knowledge of the truth that was making me free. Well, then I went off to Bible school at Rama Bible Training Center and heard more about the truth, the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. And I was rejoicing in that. And then I, then I finally, you know, got back in, in, in this area and I, I hooked up with uh, some other ministers. And... It was at that time I began to hear how some of them prayed. And I want you to understand that I'm not criticizing or making light of this or ridiculing it in any way. To be quite frank about it, my heart was deeply saddened by what, by what I heard. This is what I heard. Lord, now some of these are praying, you know, for services and praying for their churches and, and that sort of thing. Or preparing themselves for, for meetings and messages and all that. And they would just start off by saying, Lord, I'm so unworthy. To be in your presence. I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. I'm so weak. And so undeserving. 
if there's any possible way you can help, then help me communicate truth to your people or help me do what you would want done. And as I sat there and just listened to what was being prayed by, by those that were supposedly to be leading the flock, my heart was saddened. Because you see, as I sat there, I wasn't criticizing, but as I sat there, I just began to answer everything that they were saying in their prayer by the word of God. When they said, now, Lord, I'm so unworthy to be in your presence in my spirit. I would just say this, but the blood of Jesus Christ has made you worthy. Lord, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I said, no, you were a sinner. Now you are saved by grace. And you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. But I'm so weak. Ah, but you can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth you. And so undeserving. So undeserving. He's made us deserving. Amen. He's given us all things. And you dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I thought to myself, my goodness... How is it that these minds are not renewed to the Word of God? I mean, all that sounds flowery and religious and humble and all that. But you know what? None of it was the truth. In all honesty, none of it was the truth. And I saw a dire need for those that stood behind pulpits to get their minds renewed to the knowledge of the truth. See, although they've been saved for many years, I want you to get this. Although they've been serving God for many years, they were saved but never experienced the end part. And what? Come unto the knowledge of the truth. Because for one to, to go before the Father's presence saying, I'm so unworthy, is one who is without knowledge. Because the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. By the blood of Jesus, come boldly. You have access to the Father's presence. See, they were saved, all right, but their minds were not renewed to the Word of God. And they were living under guilt, condemnation, inferiority, and sin consciousness. And as a result, they were spiritually handicapped. Their faith life was paralyzed. See, that will paralyze your faith. And they were not as effective as they could have been in enforcing the defeat of the enemy by using their spiritual authority. God does not want His children to be worms in the dust. To say... That I am an unworthy worm in the dust after being washed in the blood of Jesus is saying that the workmanship that we are in Christ is nothing but a worm in the dust. And if you think it through, you discover by reading the word of God that we truly are his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus. God has recreated us by the power of his might. And as a result, He has made us righteous, not unworthy worms, but righteous and the very righteousness of God in Christ. And so what God wants us to do then is to come to this knowledge of the truth that will do what? That will make us free from guilt, sin consciousness, and condemnation. And that inferiority complex that plagued man ever since the fall of mankind. You see, beloved, anyone who fails to properly deal with the past by reprogramming their mind or renewing their mind to the Word of God is going to be defeated in their Christian experience. God wants us to, to come to the knowledge of the truth so that we can be free in these areas of our lives. If our minds are not reprogrammed, then we are going to be held in bondage. Our spirits are going to be in captivity. Our flesh and unrenewed mind will dominate us. We'll still be conformed to the image of this world, 
and will be bound up by the world system. We'll be under the control of our five physical senses with the inability to reach beyond that realm, the physical realm of reality. No, God wants us not only to be saved, but to come to the knowledge of the truth so that we can deal with our past. Leave it where it belongs in the sea of forgetfulness. Rebuild or renew or restructure our minds with the word of truth so that we can experience freedom in all the areas of life. And then go on with him to be that powerful force and witness for him upon this earth. Continuing the works of Jesus that he both began to do and teach when he was here upon this earth. God wants us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds so that we can enforce Satan's defeat and glorify the King of kings and Lord of lords upon this earth. Turn with me, if you would please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, looking at verse 1. Just because we are saved, it does not mean that we are going to experience an overcoming life. Salvation deals first and foremost with the spirit of man. And once that spirit has been regenerated, something must be done with the mind and the body. Otherwise, the spirit will still be in captivity. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or lifestyle in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I want you to notice that this is stating the condition of mankind before generation and it also explains our condition before we were regenerated before regeneration we understand that we from the heart were serving evil we recognize that our minds were full of lust and the flesh was a dominating force through the mind we recognized that the Spirit was in agreement with sin, and as a result, we were going about minding our own business, doing our own thing, and all of it was in harmony with the kingdom of darkness. Well, one day we received Christ as Savior and Lord, and we were born again. We received brand new life in Jesus. But we soon discovered that even though at that time when we had joy unspeakable and full of glory, when we had this zeal for God, the zeal of God, when we were so enthusiastic about the things of God, we wanted to, to just to, you know, reach out to the whole world and get everybody saved. We were on fire for God. It wasn't very long before we discovered that all that began to die out and fade away if our minds were not dealt with and if our bodies were not dealt with. You see, the condition of the spirit changed, but the condition of the mind did not change. The condition of the spirit changed, but the condition of the body did not change. The mind was programmed to the spirit and the lust thereof. It was programmed to follow the dictates of the flesh and the system of this world. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world's system, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation is the result of having our minds renewed or restored or reprogrammed or repaired. We could say put back into its former or original state of being. The spirit man was recreated by the spirit of God, but the, the mind or the soul of man was not touched or changed in any way by the new birth. The mind of the man, his soulish part, has got to be reprogrammed or restored or changed back into its former state. 
or original state. Do you think that we had a mind full of lust when God made Adam in the Garden of Eden? No. Do you think we thought about the things of the flesh way back there in the Garden of Eden when God made man? No. Was man dominated by sin way back there in the garden when God made him? No. His mind had no knowledge of any evil. His mind was pure. There was nothing impure whatsoever in his mind. But because of the fall, the spirit was separated from God and hooked up with the enemy. As a result, it fed the mind with all sorts of evil thoughts and ideas. It programmed the flesh or the senses to be selfish, self-centered, and self-willed so that its desires are insatiable. And there we are in a hopeless dilemma, not knowing what to do. There's no way of escape. There's no hope. So we go about in this unsaved manner, unregenerate manner, headed to an eternity without God. But all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes into our lives. We are born of the Spirit our spirit man receives brand new life, but the mind is not dealt with. But the flesh is not dealt with. It's still following the lusts of the flesh. And so the mind is uncontrolled. It needs restored. It needs renewed. Well, beloved, as long as the devil can keep our minds in an unrenewed state... He can also defeat us in this realm of life in which we live. If He can prevent us from gaining the knowledge of the truth that makes us free, He can hold us in fearful bondage and just make havoc of our lives here upon this earth. And for that reason, the Apostle Paul, right in Timothy, he says, God wants you not only saved, but He wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth by having your mind renewed to the Word of God. Transformation can only occur when the mind is renewed and the senses are brought into subjection. See, the senses can never be renewed. Did you know that? Your senses can never be renewed. My senses can never be renewed. The mind can be renewed, but not the senses. The senses must be brought into subjection to the Word of God. You say how? Hebrews chapter 5. Hold your place in Ephesians. We're going to go back there. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, though, beginning at verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers. For when for the time you ought to be teachers. Here the writer speaking to these people that have been Christians for a long period of time. He says the time has come that you should be teachers. But you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use exercise or practice or training have had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And what that's talking about is the senses being trained through exercise or through practice to discern what is both good and evil. See, our senses are never going to be renewed like the mind can be renewed or restored to an original state of being. The senses have got to be brought into subjection and the only way that can take place is through practice or through training or through acting on the Word of God in the midst of circumstances. Our senses are geared to tell us one thing. They are set in this particular mode that, that has only one direction. This is what I see and that's how it looks. This is what I hear and that's what I receive. It smells like this, it tastes like this, and you know what? It feels this way or I feel this way. Well, even though I feel this way, I have come to recognize that my feelings are not always accurate. And so when my feelings are inaccurate according to the Word of God, what I have to do is learn how to control my feelings. To control feeling through the Word of God. And I do this through reason of use by exercising myself in the Word of God to act apart from my feelings. When my feeling tells me this, I am sad. When my feelings tell me I am hurt in my emotions... I can then act upon the Word of God and say, you know what? God Almighty is the glory and the lifter of my head. And although I may not feel like praising God, although it may appear as though that I should be sad today, I will say the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
I'm renewing my mind to the Word of God that tells me the joy of the Lord is my strength. Therefore, my senses uh, will not be permitted to dictate to my disposition today. I refuse to give in to the dictates of my flesh. I refuse to remain in a sorrowful state. I refuse to remain in a state of self-pity. I choose to rise up and let God be the glory and the lifter of my head. And you know what, beloved? If we do that long enough, I said if we do that long enough, and if we practice and continue doing it day in and day out, day in and day out, eventually our senses will come under subjection to the Word of God through the renewed mind. And that will not dominate now, the same thing is true with regard to healing. And for whatever reason, I don't know, it's, it's probably because of the physical pain that sometimes we encounter, it's very difficult to get the mind renewed and the senses kept under. How many know that pain is real and you can feel it? Absolutely. Well, you see, those who are maturing in the things of God, whose minds are renewed to the Word of God, even in the face of pain, physical pain... They are learning to do what? To exercise their senses to discern what is right and what is wrong according to the Word of God, not according to feeling. And even though my body says, I hurt, I can choose to side in with the Word of God, having my mind renewed and to proclaim that with His stripes I am healed. This is called the process of mind renewal so that my mind can be brought back into an original state of being. And at that time, it wasn't programmed to sickness and disease. It was programmed to life and to health and well-being. And as I get my mind renewed to that state of being, my senses will be brought under subjection to the Word of God. And even though pain is there, it will not dictate to me and to my lifestyle or to my disposition. And as a result, I enforce the Word of God in that situation. And the pain has no choice but to do what? To leave. Beloved, this is the program of God. I know it's hard sometimes for people to grasp or get a hold of, but this is the program of God. Go on back now, if you would please, to, to the book of Ephesians and chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. You see, beloved, it's absolutely essential that our minds are renewed to the Word of God. And when I say renewed to the Word of God, I'm not talking about I have educated my mind with the Word of God. In other words, I know what that scripture says. That's not mind renewal. That is intellectually assenting to or learning what the Word of God says. There is intellectual, you know, assenting intellectually to what the Word of God says. We can assent to what God's Word says mentally. But that does not mean that our minds are renewed or brought back into an original state of being. This, beloved, happens to be the warfare that we're engaged in. Did you know that? It is a warfare. The battleground is for the mind. Why? Because the, the enemy wants to, through our senses and unrenewed mind, to hold our spirit in bondage so the life of God within us has no opportunity of expression. So that all that God has deposited within our spirits cannot be released to have an effect upon us in our emotions and in our bodies and our circumstances. But on the other hand, God is saying, now that you're saved, get a hold of the word of life. Get your mind renewed so that you start thinking the way I think, so that your ways are aligning themselves with my ways. And so that through the renewed mind, your spirit may have expression to keep the body under subjection and change the circumstances in which you live. The circumstances that, are, that surround you in everyday life. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 17, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now I want you to notice, because their heart was blinded, or hardened, or darkened, or estranged from the life of God, it affected their mind, the vanity of their mind. Their mind was empty. It had no life of God being poured forth from the Spirit into it. And that's what he's saying here. So they have done what? They're walking about according to the lusts of their flesh, the vanity of their mind, because their understanding is, dar is darkened. Who, verse 19, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard Him, and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off the former conversation. The word conversation means the lifestyle 
of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, I want you to notice something, what he's talking about. Paul is saying that those people, because of their unregenerate heart, are still living by the vanity of their mind. They're being dictated to by the lusts of their flesh and lusts of their mind, and their heart is in agreement with evil doing. Therefore, they don't understand right from wrong. I mean, to them, fornication is nothing. If it feels good, do it. It's a natural thing. Homosexuality is nothing. If that's the way you're supposed to be, that's the way you're supposed to be. They're living by the vanity of their mind. They have no understanding of the laws of God because their spirits are estranged from God. There's no life of God in them. He's saying, now that you're born again, listen. We have now got to put off the old conversation or the lifestyle of the old man. See, this old man on the inside was a teacher of the senses and of the mind. But now that we have put off the old man himself, we have a brand new spirit. We're born again. We have the life of God, the nature of God on the inside. He is saying, now look, now the need is to get us renewed in the spirit of our mind so that we can take off or put off that lifestyle, the manner of living, the lifestyle of the old man. We don't have the old man. He's been put off. But we have the lifestyle. Do you see the difference between the two? Of the old man. We've been taught to live a certain way. You know, think about it. How many of you believe a Christian can cheat? Lie. Steal. Commit adultery. Fornication. Certainly they can. Why? Even though they've been born again, their mind's not been renewed and their body hasn't changed. The body still wants to do what it wanted to do before. And the mind has been taught a, a certain lifestyle, like I said. And therefore, if the spirit is not in control, the flesh will dominate and dictate. And it'll happen. And so Paul is writing here and he's saying, look, put off the former lifestyle of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts of the flesh and of the mind. Now listen. Now listen to what he says. And be renewed, restored in the spirit of your mind. And be renewed and be restored in the spirit of your mind. Now notice the next verse. And put on the new man. Beloved, do you know what Christians should be busy doing? This should be the most active part of our Christian experience. If there's anything that we should be involved in, if there's anything that should be occupying the majority of our time and taking absolute priority within our lives, what is it? Putting on this new man? Working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Working it out means getting it from the inside to the outside. I am like Christ on the inside, but my thinking is not right. My flesh dictates wrong things to my life. And so what we should be heavily involved in is doing what? Being renewed in the spirit of the mind so as to put on Christ the lifestyle of Christ. And put off the lifestyle of the old man, which is corrupt in its deceitful lusts. Every child of God should be in the word of God diligently searching and seeking out the Word of God to discover the truths of the Word, the divine truth that Paul was talking about to Timothy so that we can be renewed in the spirit of our mind and then begin through practice, having our senses exercised to discern both good and evil, through practice, through training. Remember Paul says, I keep my body under subjection. How? Just like a boxer goes into training. Just like a long-distance marathon runner goes into training. Buffeting the body, bring it into subjection to what? To the spirit man, to the renewed mind. Otherwise, the flesh will just go off and do whatever it wants to do. It'll still get angry. It'll still dictate to your life through anger. It'll dictate to your life through sexual or sensual lust. It'll dictate to your life through, through nervousness and conditions that'll make you overeat and do all kinds of different things because it wants to be satisfied. None of you have ever been tempted to overeat. Lord. I know that. The body wants to be satisfied. You know that as well as I do. It wants to have its place of expression. It wants to dominate circumstances and situations. It wants to have its way. But here he says, no. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on Christ. Put on the life of Christ. Be changed. Be renewed. Take your mind back to a state, its original state of being. See, transformation then will come that way. And as a result... The mind will be renewed and as a result, the senses will be brought into subjection to the Word of God. And the Word of God will then have its expression through the soul. It will affect the body. It will affect circumstances in a person's life. Now turn with me, if you would please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I said all that to get to this. Once you've been born again, how many of you want to go on to victory? 
Or do you want just to be one of those Christians that sits back and just doesn't have that intimacy of fellowship with God? Doesn't really know Him intimately and, and, and cannot uh, have that intimate fellowship with Him and communion with Him and, and then doesn't realize who He is and therefore just like the others just sit back and just say, well, you know, all I am is nothing but a, a sinner saved by grace, to just a worm in the dust and, and all that. You want to be that kind of a Christian? I don't believe that Jesus made us that way with His blood. As a matter of fact, I believe He has made us more than conquerors. As a matter of fact, I believe that by His blood we can overcome. And by the word of our testimony, we can put to naught all the powers of darkness within our lives. I believe that we can be master of circumstances in this life. How many of you believe that? I mean, how many of you really believe that from the heart, that God has made us so that we can be overcomers in this life? You read the book of Revelation that Jesus is the one who thought up overcoming. Read every letter he wrote to the church. When he spoke to John, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, in every, all seven churches, to him that overcometh will I grant, to him that overcometh will I give, to him that overcometh will have. Jesus is the one who carried in his thought the idea of overcoming, and he's passed it on to us, and he says, look, I want everyone to overcome. And there are rewards for those who overcome. Well, how do we overcome? What are we talking about here? Am I going to be able to have this happen to me like this? Go to some church somewhere. If I can just find some place, some man, some church where there's such an anointing of God there. He'll come and lay his hands upon me. And the moment the anointing comes, comes upon me, all of a sudden, boom, a work will take place inside my mind. I'll be renewed. No, that's not how it happens. You go around the world over if you want to. And your mind will never get renewed through the laying on of hands and the anointing of God. God's anointing is never designed to renew the mind. Make note of that. The anointing does not renew the mind. I'll say it again. The anointing does not renew the mind. I thank God if you've been delivered by the power of God from any problem, any circumstance, any situation that you've ever encountered in life. You know what? You'll still remain a baby Christian unless your mind gets renewed to the word of the living God. And until that mind is renewed to the word of God, something else will occur. You'll be dictated to by the lust of the flesh. And so will I. It's, it's for all of us. We're all the same. The mind must be renewed to the Word of God. And I'll tell you something else. And this is something that's so vitally important, especially to those that have been bound up in their lives and have had hard times in their lives before coming to Christ. I, I want to get to that. Look at this scripture first. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. Go on down to verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Paul is revealing a truth about the new creation. And this is what he's saying. We are to put on this brand new man who has been made after the image of God. This brand new man who after God is made in the image of righteousness and holiness of truth. Now let's say here is an individual that has had problems, let's say, in his life with alcoholism. Maybe, maybe his father or someone in his family was an alcoholic, and as a result they had a terrible childhood and a terrible upbringing. Let's say that someone, maybe he himself, was on drugs, a drug addict at a young age. Let's say that maybe uh, something else happened. Maybe there was um, abuse in the family. And a child was growing up in a household of abuse where they were being abused mentally and possibly physically and in some cases even sexually. Well, here's a situation where, where children are growing up in an environment that is not conducive to their emotional stability. And as a result, they're having many problems in life. Let's say that one is uh, reared up in a household, an environment where there's sickness and disease running rampant and it just uh, dominates the people's lives. Let's say that there's an atmosphere that's a cold atmosphere that they're reared up in, and as a result, they don't experience true love, love that should be there in a, in a household, in a family unit. Whatever. You can name, and we can go on and on and just paint all kinds of pictures and give all different scenarios about, you know, what took place in people's lives and what has happened in their lives and why they're affected by the environment. They're a byproduct of that environment and how they've been affected by it. And as a result, maybe they're not very stable emotionally and, and, and they have difficulty, you know, in, in their social life. Well, listen, I believe that there's a way we can put almost every psychologist and psychiatrist out of business. I believe that. And for a good reason, because they won't be needed anymore. You know what, what that way is? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That person... Please listen carefully. That person 
If that person comes to Christ and becomes a new creature, that person needs to get his or her mind renewed to the Word of God that lets him know that a new creature is one who never before existed. That a new creature is a new species of being who never before existed. That when one is in Christ, there is a brand new self. And because that person is in Christ and has a brand new self, he is a new species that never before existed. Now listen carefully. His past can be dealt with through the power of God and the renewed mind. Now listen, I am not saying ignore it. I am not saying just say it doesn't exist anymore because it did exist. Because it truly happened and your life was affected and your emotions were affected. All those things are absolutely, positively, 100% true. But we must learn to deal with the past according to the Word of God. And God's Word instructs us in dealing with the past. That person must come to the recognition that he or she is a brand new creature. And instead of saying, you've got to go to all around the country to get a del delivered from this and delivered from that and all these deliverances, beloved, there's only one thing that will provide permanent help to that individual. I would thank God even if they are delivered from a thousand demons. Thank God for that. But even if that occurs... There is a principle in Matthew 12, 43 through 45, that says, When the evil spirit has gone out of a man, if that house is empty, swept, and garnished, that person is a prime candidate for reentry. And that spirit will come back and make that person worse off than he or she was before. Seven times worse with other devils and demons. What God wants to get across to us is this. Thank God for all displays and demonstrations of His power and might that can cast out a devil and, and rid a person's life of the demon of alcohol or whatever it is. But to, to rebuild that life, to reconstruct that life, what is essential and vitally important more than anything else is to fill up that heart and mind with the word of life. God's life is transmitted through words, not anointings. God's life, I'll say it again, is transmitted through words. Do you see that? The anointing will come on, it'll cast out a devil, but the devil will go on dry places seeking rest and finding none. And if the word is not inside that person's heart, that person, that spirit will come back and try to get right on back in. If a person was delivered from tobacco, if a person was delivered from alcohol, through whatever, a meeting of deliverance or anointing or whatever it is, that spirit will go on dry places seeking rest, finding none. will come back to that house knowing there's a weakness there. And if he finds that that house has not been reconstructed with the word of God and mind has been renewed, it'll just... Gain, regain entrance into that person's life. That person has got to get into the Word of God. Whether it's any one of these things I mentioned, beloved, there is a solution to that problem. And it's found in the Word of God. That person must not just learn the truth, I'm a new creation. That person must meditate that truth until that person recognizes and realizes, I am a new species that never before existed. I have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. I am born of God. I have more than just a dedication. I have more than just a consecration. I, just, I have more than just a code of ethics. I have more than just religion. I have reality with the Almighty God. I, Bill Anzavino, or whoever you are, am a brand new creation and brand new creature in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to choose right now to deal with my past through the Word of God. All that is passed away. Everything is new in my life. And I will renew my mind to the Word of God so that I can overcome any emotional scars or anything else the enemy can try to put back on my life since becoming this new creation. We're not saying ignore anything. We're saying get a hold of the Word of God. Let God bind up the broken heart. Heal the brokenhearted and bind up every wound or every emotional scar it produced in that person's life. Beloved, if I cannot stand here and tell you from this platform that there is help in God, then where in the world are we going to get help? Because if you look out in this world today, you can look the world over, you'll find out emotionally scarred people around every corner. Hundreds, thousands, multitudes of people out there that are emotionally scarred. And why? Because there's an enemy out there that comes to steal, to kill, destroy. Young people. 
There's more suicide today among young people, teenagers. Why? They're emotionally scarred. Beloved, it's time that we begin to tell young people also they can know the truth that makes them free. That this being born again carries a whole lot more meaning than just, well, I'm just going to go to church now a little bit more often. No, you have become identified with deity. You have become alive with God. God's life has been imparted to your very spirit. You don't have to be defeated any longer. For greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Get a hold of the life of God. Then, once you've been born again, get the Word of God. Don't read this just to be religious. Don't read this just so that you can have some type of intellectual understanding of what God said. Get a hold of this and say, Father God, I want you to transmit more of your life in me. So I can live more like you. So I can look like Christ, act like Christ, speak like Christ, and do the works of Christ here upon this earth as He instructed me to do. Our lives should be so occupied with renewing the spirit of our mind and getting a hold of the Word and making it alive within us, beloved, that we have not much time for anything other than that than going about our business and, and demonstrating the power of God in the lives of people. Helping other people to get to that place. Now, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians, if you would please, chapter 10. Because for those of you, if you've been bound up by alcohol and you've come to Christ and you're now set free and that demon of alcohol has left your life and it's gone. If you have been delivered from drug addiction, you've been delivered and set free by the power of God and you know that God's hand was at work in delivering you, praise Him for it right now. But I want your undivided attention. If you've been out there and your life has been scarred emotionally because of what took place in, you know, when you were growing up and all that, and in your childhood and everything, I want, to, I want you to listen. You've been born again right now, but listen very carefully. The only thing that's going to provide for you permanent help so that you can be successful in, in remaining free and staying free and maintaining your freedom in these areas of life, the only way those emotional scars are going to be uh, healed by the power of God is by getting a hold of the Word of God, putting it inside your mind, renewing the mind with the Word of God until that life is imparted to the Spirit. And then as a result, you begin living the reality of what God said and then you, through exercise, cause your senses to come in subjection to what the Word of God says. Your past will be dealt with. It'll be left in the past under the blood. Your emotional scars will be removed by the power of God. And you're looking for a wonderful life ahead of you in Jesus. To the glory of, the, of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. Are you saying, brother, that this is going to be the easiest thing we've ever done? No. I'm saying it's going to be the hardest thing you ever did. If you've been delivered from alcohol, there's going to be alcohol demon around your corner. Around every corner and on your shoulder. To try to, 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 to peck away at you to get back. If you've been delivered from tobacco, I want you to know something. There's going to be a devil around every corner and, and, and on your shoulder to try to get you once again to get hooked up with it. If you've had emotional scars because of your upbringing, your childhood or whatever, and as a result, you have problems socializing or, or, or understanding the, the Father's love for you, the intimacy that you can have with God, listen carefully. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want you to notice, highlight in your Bible, the word thought. Imagination, stronghold. Thought, imagination, and stronghold. The enemy will work through thoughts, which will produce imaginations, which will produce strongholds in a person's life to hold that person captive. Thoughts will become imaginations or reasonings in the mind and then satanic strongholds that will dominate a person's life and prevent him from putting on Christ. The only way that we are going to maintain freedom from the past, freedom from the alcohol demon, freedom from the tobacco, freedom from the 
the sense of unworthiness and guilt, the sense of inferiority, freedom from whatever it is that plagues our lives. The only way we are going to learn to maintain freedom in all of our lives, and it applies to every single one of us, myself included, is by learning how to fight this spiritual warfare he's talking about right here. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You're not going to rid yourself of an alcohol demon with a grenade or a machine gun. I'm not going to rid myself of, of guilt and inferiority that comes upon my life to produce self-pity and all this stuff by, you know, exploding some type of nuclear bomb. I'm not going to be able to rid myself. You're not going to be able to rid yourself from, from all these things that plague us with anything in the natural realm. And I'll tell you something else, I'll go a step further. We don't overcome spiritual battles with, with carnal or even with intellectual powers. The only way we're going to be successful in rising up to a place of overcoming faith and victory over, over our fears that we encounter in life, over sickness and disease, over demon oppression, over any type of satanic bondage is by renewing our minds to the truth and then when the enemy comes to challenge us in that truth, learning how to cast those thoughts down, learning how to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. The battle is in the mind. Listen carefully. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the what? The knowledge of God. Paul said he wanted men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of God is the knowledge of the truth that makes men free. Satan will always attack us in our thought lives to, get, to paint pictures in our lives so as to hold us in bondage by doing what? First it starts with a thought. A thought comes to the mind. You think about it for a while. You entertain it. It becomes a reasoning or an imagination. You find yourself staring, pondering over this thing. And before long, if you entertain it long enough and reason over it long enough, it becomes a satanic stronghold that is manifested in the natural realm. You ever find yourself doing things such as always overeating when you don't really want to? I'm telling you, the battle's in the mind. Turn on your television set. Let me say this morning, meatball, pizza, spaghetti. Maybe yours is hotcakes and sausage. All of a sudden, I've lost your attention for the rest of the service. A thought, an image. You just cut through that hotcake, man. <laughs> Come on, preacher, cut it off. I'm about to take a bite. No, what happens is, through thoughts, our minds are captured. Imaginations or reasonings are developed. And all of a sudden, there's a satanic stronghold over our lives that we don't even recognize. Do I need a deliverance? Not necessarily. Well, let's put it this way. If you need deliverance, it's not just through anointings and prayer that one maintains deliverance. You ready for this? It's the knowledge of the truth that makes men free. And I'll add to this to it. And keeps men free. So if you got delivered any other way, if you want to maintain your freedom, beloved, bottom line is this, and it's for all of us, you got to get into the knowledge of the truth and then maintain it that way. What, what we must do is then learn this. Since I know the knowledge of the truth now, you know what? I'm going to cast down those thoughts before they turn into imaginations and then develop into satanic strongholds. So no, I'm not going to give in to the dictates of my flesh. I refuse. I refuse to entertain the thought, especially if you're, if you're having that battle there with, with your weight and, and, and overeating and that sort of thing. The battle's in the mind, beloved. The battle is in the mind. We can program ourselves in such a way so that food will not have any power over our lives if we choose to do so. Now, if we're lax, if we're lack, if we lack in, in that area, if we're not going to do what it takes and be, you know, do what is necessary to, to build that into our lives, we're not going to have a, a stronghold for God in our lives and we're going to be overcome by the dictate of the flesh. That flesh will always dictate to us, you know, as to what we do in those areas. Unless we do something about it and it starts right there in the mind. Okay? Um, if, you're overcome by condemnation. 
thoughts will come to your mind that, well, you shouldn't pray for that person. As a matter of fact, who do you think you are? You think God's going to use you? I mean, what did you do yesterday? You hollered at your wife yesterday. You were angry with your children. And you did all these different things. And, and you call yourself a wonderful Christian. Yeah? Well, who do you think you are? Do you think you're an example? you think you were an example to those people that you talked to or, or saw you do this or whatever? Well, hold on. Hold on. If those thoughts continue on a day-by-day basis, we'll get to a place in our lives that, that it'll, we'll, we'll see that clearly in our, in our reasonings. And if we allow that to continue, it'll be developed into a satanic stronghold that will hold our faith in bondage, paralyzed. It'll handicap us spiritually and make us ineffective in dethroning and and neutralizing the powers of darkness. We won't use our spiritual authority like we should. Although it may be true that there was a problem yesterday. Remember we said, if Satan paints you a picture of your life, with the deepest, darkest colors that hell can possibly afford. you going to entertain all that? Are you going to look at that and just say that that's me? Yep, that's truly me. That's my life. You know, I'm never going to be able to get anywhere in God. You know why? Because when I was a young person, I had this, 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 this happen in my life. You know what? It's true that all those things happen. And I have a heart of compassion. And you should have a heart of compassion and sympathize with any person that had a hard time in life. But you know what? Compassion means this, and please make note of this definition of compassion. It is sympathy coupled with a yearning desire to alleviate the suffering. It is sympathy coupled with a yearning desire to alleviate the suffering. And how do you do that? The only way you can do that is through the Word of God. You let that person know what the Word of God says and have them build that into their inner consciousness. And what happens is they deal with the past... They have a brand new present and a glorious future ahead of them. You put new thoughts in their minds, which produces new reasonings and imaginations. And then, ultimately, strongholds for God in that person's life. They don't have to look back to you anymore. They can look back and say, yes, I dealt with that. It's in the past. It's It's in the sea of forgetfulness. And you know what? I refuse to have it affect my life today in the present. I'm going on with a glorious future for God. Now, I want you to do this with me if you would, please. If you feel unloved, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. Turn there with me, please. If you have felt unloved and in your youth or as you were growing up in your home, you have never experienced the kind of love that, that would have been a better platform from which you can operate to understand the Father's love and and develop intimacy with Him. As I said, my heart sympathizes. There are a lot who haven't. There are a lot, let's say, who have had better home lives and, and, and you know, better role models and that sort of thing. And in some cases, people didn't even know the Lord. My parents didn't know the Lord when I was growing up. They couldn't show me the love of God. But listen to this. I recognize where I'm at. I recognize that I have never maybe experienced or you have never experienced what you want to experience because of all this. We must deal with the past. And then, once we deal with the past, by understanding what the present says about it, we can go on with our future. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Maybe we've never understood love. Maybe we never really knew what love was all about. But we have a thought here that comes to us from God that says, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, He's quickened us together with Christ. And what that is saying is this to each and every one of us. Although we never had that experience of that kind of love in our lives, and I don't know anybody who's really had that kind of experience of love because that's the love of God that, that is beyond all comprehension. If we'll just put that thought inside our mind and recognize that God's rich love and mercy for me sent Jesus to die for me on that cross, how important must I be to Him? When Satan comes along to tell you that you're unworthy, you are undeserving... When he tells you that you'll never understand God, you'll never know God intimately because you don't understand love and you'll never know love, you cast down that thought and imagination. You refuse to entertain that thought or that idea for a moment. 
And you see, regardless of what my unrenewed mind says, regardless of what my body is dictating to me, I may not have the feelings of that love. My mind may not be renewed to that love as of yet. But you know what? The Word of God says, and this is the thought that I am going to build on in my life. The Word of God says that God is merciful to me. That God Almighty loved me so much He sent Jesus to die for me. God has expressed, demonstrated His love for me. And that while I was yet a sinner, estranged from Him, He loved me. I had no part in the family at that time. I had no knowledge of Him at that time. But still, He saw me in my lowest state. He esteemed me highly. He sent Jesus to die for me. And as a result, I believe that I am loved of God. Proclaim that. I cast down every thought. Otherwise, to the otherwise. Now notice this in John sixteen twenty seven. In John sixteen twenty seven, the scripture says this: For the Father Himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and believe that I came out from God. If you've had a problem in that area, say right now with me: For the Father Himself loves me. Just everybody say that out: For the Father Himself loves me. For the Father Himself loves me. God loves me. Jesus loves me. Now, beloved, as you say that, you're saying it not based on your feelings, but your feelings have got to be brought into subjection. You're saying that not because your mind has come into complete understanding of it, but you're saying that because it's the Word of God. And because God cannot lie. And as you say that, and say that, and say that, and say that, and continue saying that, one day the mind is renewed to that truth. And on that day, you'll have feelings. I remember when that became alive to me. I was sitting at Rhema Bible Training Center. I was sitting in the auditorium. Brother Hagin was preaching on growing up spiritually. I didn't really have that revelation of the Father's love for me. And as he was teaching on that, he turned to John 16, 27, said, everybody turn there with me. And as he turned there, I turned there. I began reading that. As I looked at it, it was as if you ever get a magnifying glass and you look at your Bible through a magnifying glass. And those words that are there under the glass all of a sudden just come up off and they're much bigger. I had no magnifying glass, but the Holy Ghost magnified the Word of God to me. And what happened was it was as if the Word of God came alive off the page. It was as if it was in fine, big, big print. Huge print to me. I saw it come off that page. I looked at it. It hit me. Like we say, like a ton of bricks. It hit me. And the reality of it hit me. I lost sight of Brother Hagen. I didn't know what he was talking about. I heard words being spoken out there. I didn't hear anything he was saying. I knew there was a, there were a thousand people all around me sitting in the same auditorium. But you know what? I was not conscious of them. I was conscious that they were there. If, 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 if to, to know what they were doing or what they were thinking or saying or whatever, I had no idea what was going on around me. It was as if I was lifted somehow. My chair, myself, my body lifted to a higher plane of spiritual awareness. And all of a sudden, these words rose up as if they were audible inside my spirit. For the Father Himself loves you. And that became so real and so alive to me. I was sitting there in awe of what I just experienced. A warmth of love just encompassed me. It engulfed me. It just went all around. I experienced the reality at that moment of a love that I could, I cannot in words described to any of us here today. It's indescribable. It's beyond expression. It's beyond definition. I can't, I can't do it. But I'll tell you what, it was a reality. And beloved, if ever I lose sight of the fact that the Word of God says that God loves me, I'm not going to go to an altar and have someone lay hands upon me to have an anointing come on me so I can experience the love of God. I'm going to tell you something right now. If I, that does happen, it'll last but for a time. The way I'm going to maintain that experience in my life and that understanding in my life is when those thoughts come against me, saying that, you know what, you're not all that wonderful. You know what, who do you think you are anyhow? People put you up on a pedestal and they think that you're somebody special. But you know what, we know that you're, you're flesh just like anybody else and you can make mistakes and, and you have tendencies to, to, to do wrong and be selfish like anybody else does. You know, beloved, how many of the preachers aren't all the way there yet? How many of you know that? Come on, do you know the preachers aren't born in suits? Halos around their head? How many of you know that? How many of you know that? Admit to it. Stop putting preachers up on pedestals and just realize we're human beings just like anybody else is. You know, preachers can get down and out just like Elijah the prophet did. 
and want to just go off and go home to be with Jesus like anybody else. Anyone has to maintain this in their life by learning how to fight this kind of faith, fight of faith, by learning this kind of a warfare. You know, is your heart heavy because of things that you have experienced in your life? I'm going to tell you, no matter, were you a prostitute? Were you an alcoholic? Did you commit murder? Are you involved in a life of crime? Whatever it is, the only way you're going to be delivered from the past is by getting a hold of what the Word of God says about the now in your life and building that into your inner consciousness. And then you know what? Learning to fight. Come on, guys. Young people out there, you like to fight? You want to have something that's worthy to fight for? I'm going to tell you something right now. This is worth fighting for. Because it's talking about how far you get in God. You fight and you stand your ground and you stand firm and you say, you know what? Whether it's sickness or disease, whether it's emotional instability, whether it's, it's uh, sin consciousness or guilt or condemnation, whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting in. I am not caving in. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to cast down every thought and imagination that exalts something against not as God. Bring into captivity every thought through the obedience of Christ until I, through pain, yes, through pain, grow to the place that God wants me to be in Christ. Your flesh will hurt every inch of the way. Your mind will scream out against it. But you know what? The knowledge of the truth will make you free. Let's all stand before the Lord, please. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.